Good afternoon, everybody. This is another edition of the Past Ball Show, <clears throat> brought to you by JohnPielli.com as well. At St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, um, just a reminder, if you're interested, please give the show a call, comment, Facebook Live, Periscope. Phone number, if you're interested, is 732-364-3598. That's 732-364-3598. Now, you come off a solid week in the NFL, and I think if you really look at it, and I think, I, you know, I got a particularly fan, particular fantasy football league that I'm in. And obviously, I'm not going to break down players or records or stuff like that. But the only thing I'm going to mention is that you have half the league that's sitting here at two and one, and the other half is sitting here at one and two. And if you wanted a best sum of what the National Football League is right now, it pretty much is a series of one and two and two and one teams. And, you know, there really hasn't been a team that has come out this year and dominated, dominated to a point where you look at them and you say, not only are they three and zero, but they're just to a point where they can't be stopped, where they're that good to a point where you say, all right, this is the team that's going to the Super Bowl. There are some very good teams out there. As many people have spoken about for months, the parity in the National Football League leaves the opportunity for many different teams to not only compete, but also get themselves in a position where they can certainly succeed. Uh, the past ball show, of course, talks about baseball, sports, and unify in America. And the first thing we're going to get into today is, is an obvious thing to discuss, something that every time this particular player is in a running for a tournament, and obviously to change this past weekend, was Tiger Woods did something that he had not done in a series of five years, and that's win an actual PGA Tour event. So whether you're a fan of Tiger Woods or not a fan of Tiger Woods, you're watching and paying attention to every tournament that he is involved in as long as he is in contention. But the one aspect of this whole thing that I don't think gets discussed enough is the fact that people are missing a great part of sports history if they're not paying attention to Tiger Woods. And I know there's a lot of people that are. You, you would say, obviously, look at the ratings for this past tournament. They were ridiculous. And obviously, those ratings were 100% because of Tiger Woods. Not because the PGA Tour was about to crown Justin Rose, you know, its champion for 2018. It was because Tiger Woods was not only in the tournament, was not only competing for the tournament, but had a very good chance of winning the tournament as you got into the final couple holes in the final round of this tournament. So I think for the most part, a lot of people get it. and But I'm wondering, and my question to a lot of people that claim to get it, do you get it for the right reason? Is it just because you're polarized one way or the other on Tiger Woods, whether you're just obsessed with rooting for him or maybe would prefer him not be in the spotlight and are rooting against him? Because if you are either a a uh, Tiger Woods fan or Tiger Woods hater, I don't know if you necessarily get the point of what you're watching and if you happen to miss it, what you would be missing out on watching. There are very few legends 
that you get to see over the course of their career. There are very few athletes that are the very best at what they do and become immortals. And as the sport will go by for the next 50 to 100 and maybe even 200 years, they're still spoken about as one of the best to ever do it. I'll make a quick golf comparison and then I'll make it as it applies to the rest of sports. Sam Snead, who is just two majors ahead of Tiger Woods. You know, Tiger Woods won his 80th tournament. And if I said major, I apologize. I'm talking about PGA Tour events. Sam Snead has won 82 PGA Tour events. Sam Snead, for a series of 30 years, was one of the more consistent golfers that the game has ever seen. Now, if you're a very good golf fan, you know everything up and down about Sam Snead. If you are a sports fan, you probably heard his name. But when you talk about legends, when you talk about those that have played a sport and are amongst the best to ever do it, you know, it's usually in the past tense. And when we talk about Sam Snead from, what, 1936 to, you know, the mid-1960s, a good 30-year run he had playing at the game of golf at the highest level. Sam Snead has been passed away for a couple of years now. But the presence of Sam Snead on a golf course is something that hasn't been seen in probably at least two generations. So when you look at the best to ever do it, if you want to put Sam Snead in that category, you've got to be in your 50s or 60s or even older to have witnessed Sam Snead at the peak and doing the best at what he ever did. You think of Jack Nicklaus. And Jack Nicklaus, yes, you see him on the senior PGA Tour. You see him make an appearance here and there at a particular event. But you probably have to be at least one full generation removed to acknowledge and remember Jack Nicklaus in the absolute prime of his career. Now, what Tiger Woods is doing right now, he is an example of not only a living legend, but an active legend. And when you think of living in active legends in the world of sports, it really is must-see TV or must-see at the event. If you are at any level a golf fan, I'm sure you would appreciate the opportunity to be at a PGA Tour event where Tiger Woods was playing at some point in your life. Because as you get up there in age and you're up in your 60s and 70s and 80s, and you hear stories being brought out about this guy that used to play on the PGA Tour, dominated it for a solid 10, 15-year period, literally could not lose. And if he was in a mix on the final day of a tournament, it didn't matter what it was. The rest of the field caved in because of the fear that he struck in the sport of golf. You'd like to be able to say that you saw him play. You'd like to be able to say that you remember Tiger Woods in his prime. And if you go back and think about the other professional sports out there, I think of baseball and I think of the greatest to ever play the game. And I put a list of and compiled the top 100 offensive players to ever play in Major League Baseball history. And the top three, I think, are leaps and bounds ahead of the others. There's Babe Ruth, there's Ty Cobb, and there's Ted Williams. And the one thing that they all have in common that I've never mentioned on the show before, and I've probably not thought about it until now, is that none of those three players played in my lifetime. 
If I want to see any archaeological videos or footage on what either one or any one of those three players have ever done, I have to look it up. I have to maybe see a broken video. And the unfortunate thing that I could say, as much of a baseball fan as I am, and as much as I love the sport, the three greatest position players to ever play in the history of Major League Baseball, I never got an opportunity to see. And I wish I did. I wish I could have seen Babe Ruth in the 1920s. I wish I could have seen Ty Cobb in a dead ball era. I wish I could have seen Ted Williams. And there's a lot of people around that could talk about Ted Williams in the, you know, in the 1950s to the 1960s. Not as much from the 40s to the 50s because that generation is kind of pass it, being passed by. But for those that got a chance to see Ted Williams, the greatest hitter to ever live, perform at an elite level on a consistent basis. You know, you guys are lucky. You guys are very fortunate. But for those that are thinking in lines of, all right, Tiger Woods, hey, we'll see where he ranks when it's all said and done. We'll see if he wins a couple PGA Tour events and ties Sam Snead or passes Sam Snead. We'll see if he wins 18 majors or more. That's all stuff that could be discussed. We can sit here all day and talk about can Tiger get to 83, can Tiger get to 18, but all that discussion is holding back and really missing out on the major point of what we're having the opportunity to witness. I didn't see Babe Ruth. I didn't see Ty Cobb. I didn't see Ted Williams, but I tell you, in the world of golf, I got the opportunity to see Tiger Woods, and he may not be what he was 10 years ago or Five years ago, even. But you're talking about a living legend. You're talking about the greatest or one of the greatest. Not just in his own sport when it comes to golf. But one of the greatest athletes ever. And if you're missing out for whatever reason, you say, hey, I'm tired of hearing Tiger Woods' name as it applies to golf or tired every single time when uh, Tiger Woods is mentioned. If you're a sports fan, if you appreciate history, you really are missing out on seeing a living legend. Because once again, I didn't see that in baseball. <clears throat> and if you think of pro football and the greats, you think of a Jim Brown, who I would have loved to see. Now, a lot of people got a chance to see Earl Campbell play in the late 70s and the early 80s. Now, I just missed that. I was alive for part of his career, but not alive enough where I could appreciate what was going on. I, I did get a chance to see Barry Sanders. I did get a chance to see Michael Jordan. I did get a chance to see Barry Bonds. And you think of the dominance that those players had on the particular sports that they played. I could for my, you know, for my grandkids a couple years down the road, be able to share stories of some of the playoff games that Michael Jordan played in and his dominance over the competition and the fact that the game could have been close whenever, but they were willing, his teammates knew that all they had to do, if there was a shot on the line or if there was a, a play that had to be made, just put the ball in Michael Jordan's hands and it didn't matter who was defending him. It didn't matter what position or where he was on the court, he was making that shot. 
Barry Bonds as he was going through a home run chase in 2001. I know a lot of it gets you know saturated and kind of watered down because of the use of performance enhancing drugs. And I don't think we'll ever get the story, you know, if Barry Bonds somewhere down the road or down the line decides he wants to write a tell-all book and be, you know, explicit in detail on exactly what he was doing. Maybe he wants to make the case that he used something, but it was nowhere near what people were perceiving it to be. Maybe he wants to make the case that everything he accomplished and everything he did was clean. I don't care about any of that. And if you've listened to my show before, you know my takes when it comes to, you know, performance enhancing drugs in the world of sports. I don't care whether he did or didn't do it. Barry Bonds was the greatest offensive baseball player that I ever got to see, that I ever got to witness, that I was ever in the prime of my life with the opportunity to see that player in his prime and at his best. So you're damn right I'm going to be telling my grandkids stories about what I saw when I watched Barry Bonds play. I'm going to share those same stories when it comes to Michael Jordan. You know, if you look at, you know, performers, you think of uh, Michael Jackson, you think of, you know, Prince, you think of some of the greatest bands you ever see. And unfortunately, we're in a day and age where you, you hear a lot more, you know, great singers and performers end up going on to the other side. But the great solace you could take in talking about what their memories of their music means to you is to know that you are around at a common time that they were around. But not only that, you are around when they were at their best. So pretty similar to talking about Jordan's prime or Tiger Woods's prime. Or if you're up there in age and you want to talk about Ted Williams in his prime, the common thing and the greatest thing about sports is to talk about the firsthand experience that you got to see. What you got when you when you were, you were at the same field or at the same event that these performers were given their best work. And if you're tired of hearing about Tiger Woods, if you're talking about how you know, Tiger Woods, every time he's performing in a major and you don't understand why huge crowds gather. You talk about why Tiger Woods gets so much attention when he is in a major. You may be missing out on the opportunity to see a living legend. Not just see them while they're still alive, but there's more of an impact when you have a chance and an opportunity to see them at their very best. And that stands out to me. You know, I could talk about how great Jordan was because I saw him play. I could talk about how great and dominant Barry Bonds was. You know, you may disagree with me. You may talk, want to change this conversation to steroids, which it isn't really what I feel like talking about today. But Barry Bonds was one of the most dominant and feared hitters to ever play baseball. And I could say I watched him play. So while we have an opportunity in the now, we may want to appreciate what Tiger Woods has done, is doing as we speak, and what he may be able to do down the road. Because his time playing golf at an elite level is not going to last forever. 
Can't tell you how long it's going to last. Is it another couple of years, five years, 10 years? Who knows? Obviously, golfers have the ability to have a little more of a shelf life than you do if you play any one of the four major sports. You know, certainly football, certainly hockey, basketball, and baseball. You know, you're only really carved out to be able to play amongst the best of the best for a short period of time. But I tell you, if you're tired of hearing about Tiger Woods, if you're tired of hearing him mentioned time after time, every time he's competing in a major tournament or a PGA Tour event, just make sure that you acknowledge the greatness and what he is doing as a living legend. And if that time goes by, you may regret it down the road. Once again, this is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Next thing we're going to get into, you know, I was thinking about this over the weekend. Um, you know, you look at the baseball playoff races as they're getting set up for this last week here. And pretty much everything has been set in the American League. I don't really, I'm not really going to talk about the AL that much because it's pretty... It's, it's pretty understood what we're going to see in the postseason. Maybe not who's going to come out of the AL. Maybe not the team that's going to make it and get to the World Series. But we pretty much know the teams that we're going to see in the postseason. Everybody else has been eliminated. Boston is the American League East champion. Cleveland is the American League Central champion. Houston is right on the verge of winning the AL West. You know, barring a ridiculous collapse, which essentially would need Houston to lose its remaining games and Oakland to win its remaining games, the defending World Series champion Astros will be the American League West champions. The Yankees have the first wild card. The Athletics have the second wild card. The only race that exists in the American League is the thought that maybe Oakland can catch the Yankees for that first wild card spot and host the wild card game in Oakland. Now, real quick, the best scenario... For the athletics, if they want to put themselves in the best position possible to potentially overtake the Yankees, they have to find a way to gain a game and a half over the next three days. And I would say at the very least a game and a half. They're going to need between Tuesday and Wednesday them to win a game and the Yankees to lose a game. Or they need themselves to win one more game than the Yankees lose over the next two days to gain that one game. The Athletics have a game on Thursday. I'm sorry, the Yankees have a game on Thursday. The Athletics are off. So if the Yankees lose the Thursday game against Tampa Bay, all of a sudden you'd be looking at a one at a, at a you know potential tie for the American League first wild card spot. Both teams have a three game series to finish the year. That would make the American League baseball as we are in a final week worth watching. But if you really want to see an example of what we're going to see in the postseason, you should follow the games that you're seeing in the National League over the course of the next couple days. You have one, two, three, four, five, five teams essentially battling for four spots in the postseason. Now, the Chicago Cubs are up a game and a half on the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers are up three games on the St. Louis Cardinals for the second wild card spot. So the chance of St. Louis catching Milwaukee is not very good. But the Brewers are only a game and a half out of first place and can possibly catch the Chicago Cubs. 
And we looked at the National League this year, and I said the National League was a very big disappointment. The Nationals were not what they were expected to be. The Dodgers have gotten themselves back in a lead in the NL West. And he's still got the Cubs in a National League Central. So if you look at it, it's not as much of a disappointment. You really got five of your six predicted division winners still winning and with the potential to win their division. The only surprise is the Atlanta Braves coming out of the National League East. So you got the Braves, who really are the only team right now who are pretty much know their own fate. As they get set for a series against the New York Mets Tuesday through Thursday and another series to finish off the season, the Braves may want to see if they can finish with more wins than the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Colorado Rockies. And if they do that, the Braves would secure a home field advantage for the first round of the playoffs. But the Atlanta Braves essentially know where they're going to be. They're going to be either that second or third seed in a National League playing another division winner in the first round during the division series. The other races are impactful. And the thought that the Milwaukee Brewers can catch the Chicago Cubs, and I know it's a little tough. You're looking at a game and a half lead, the same lead that the New York Yankees have over the Oakland Athletics. But a loss by Chicago and a win by Milwaukee makes it that close. And then we talk about a you know, game where one of the teams play and one of the teams don't play, where the Cubs play and the Brewers are off. If the Cubs somehow lose that game, pretty similar to if the Yankees lose their Thursday game against the Tampa Bay Rays, you could have a virtual tie. Or you could have a one-game lead going into the last series of the season. St. Louis has calmed down a little bit, but they are still secure. They're holding on to a half-game lead over the Colorado Rockies for the second wild card. The Rockies, by themselves, with the you know the Dodgers have that extra game in hand or a game and a half behind the LA Dodgers. So it's pretty interesting to see how this may turn out as we're finishing up the season here. The National League, really, the playoffs has started now. If you're the Cubs, if you're the Brewers, if you're the Cardinals, I think you're all safe in the feeling of where you're at. If you're the Cardinals, you just have to hold on. The Dodgers are being chased by the Rockies, and they're close enough, as you talk about, that it could come down to the last series of the season. And if it does, it'll be pretty incredible. It'll be pretty interesting. Good baseball to watch. Cubs know they're probably in the playoffs right now. I mean, they're in a position where they're four and a half games up on the St. Louis Cardinals. And even, what, six games up on the Colorado Rockies? So you're looking at the Rockies. If they lose one more game or the Cubs win more game, they're guaranteed in. Same can't be said about the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Dodgers, or the Rockies. They may actually have their games mean something right up until the last day. And as we get set to hit the month of October, just five days away, it's you know you're going to get used to every game meaning something. So you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what we're going to get to in the final you know six or five games that we got in the National League baseball season. And we'll certainly spend some more time doing some postseason previews over the course of the rest of the week. Last topic I wanted to talk about today was kind of twofold. Because I think there is a lot of common statements being made 
when it comes to the National Football League and the flags being thrown, a lot of us could say that they're excessive, that they are too much. One player in particular has been targeted as this last couple weeks have gone by, and that's Green Bay Packers linebacker Clay Matthews. He's gotten a couple flags on hits on a quarterback. And the definition of what the National Football League is trying to perceive as what a legal hit is, is maybe a little bit different than what we are expecting as people that are watching, from people that are watching the game. The Clay Matthews hits, if we followed them over the last couple weeks, looked like they were pretty standard, pretty plain. It didn't look like it was late. It didn't look like either one of them was excessive. It didn't look like either one of those hits would make you think that Clay Matthews was intending to unnecessarily rough a quarterback. So all of that being said, there is another side of this. And this other side of this is unfortunately when you got polarizing issues, when you got people that are frustrated because of what the National Football League has become. And they say the game is no longer violent and therefore that bothers me. There is one aspect of this that the National Football League is doing. And you could say that they're protecting themselves from lawsuits. You're going to say maybe that they're protecting themselves from you know, negative publicity. If somebody gets killed on a football field, perhaps a hit that's so hard and somebody ends up getting paralyzed, you know, the negative public image of the National Football League is certainly something they have to consider when they're doing anything. But I think there's an obvious part of what the National Football League at least is giving the message or trying to throw out subliminally the message that it really does care about the safety of its players. Now, you could dispute that. You could say, hey, you know what? It's all business. They don't want to get sued. You know, I, I don't think anybody wants to see anybody get killed. But the National Football League, if it was up to them, perhaps they'd let the players run rampant. They'd let the Ronnie Lotts and the Jack Lamberts and the Dick Buckuses and the Lawrence Taylors come back to life and decapitate players. Punch you right in the eye. And I was watching a video this morning, and I think the intention of the video was good, but it was a compilation of some of the more gruesome hits that we've seen in the NFL. And some of them go back 20, 30 years. And obviously, the further back you go, um, the less regard was really held for player safety. So the battles that you saw on the field were pretty intense. The competition level were to a point where the offense wanted to hurt the defense and vice versa. But even through the 90s and the early part of the 2000s, there obviously are examples of really bone-jarring hits. And you've seen a lot of hits to the head that players have had to deal with. So somebody put a compilation, and I'm sure it's one of many compilations, of a series of hits where certain players were hit in the head other players were, you know, had their legs taken out from under them. But the bottom line is what every one of these particular hits had in common were the fact that 
there was no regard for the player's health during any one of these hits. And I think that's something that you do have to draw a line at some point between. A line has to be drawn between a game being changed completely to its nucleus and to its centripetal force that it could have going in any direction of what the origins of the National Football League and competitive football is and the regard that needs to be had for player safety. And the one simple thing that I could say is that a lot of people that will watch a hit or watch a player take a shot at somebody's head, whether they have a helmet on or not, probably never had a concussion before, probably never had a serious brain injury in any sort of way. And I don't wish that anybody would have to experience it, but I tell you, it does resonate a lot better with people that have had to deal with concussions, people that have had you know, traumatic brain injuries, people that have had the memory cells that they have and the consistent flow that comes from your cerebrum to your cerebellum to your medulla oblongata disrupted to a point where you go to form a thought and it's just a cloud. For when you go to say something and you all of a sudden have no idea what you were even trying to say. Headaches as they penetrate towards the front of your skin, in your brain, almost ready to come out of your head and come out of your skull. The headaches as the pain that exists where you just want to go to sleep and you can't go to sleep. And the only reason you want to go to sleep is so you don't have to deal with this protruding pain coming out of what feels like is your entire skull from all different angles. The people that want to see violence in professional sports, the people that want to see a bone-jarring hit and are like, oh my God, let's see that again, don't know what it's like to have to deal with a traumatic brain injury. They don't know what it's like to have to deal with a concussion. They hear the word concussion and they just think it's something that's so easy to pass themselves through. If it was so easy to just get over a concussion or a series of concussions, then how come there's people out there, not just pro football players, not just athletes, that can't deal with the symptoms and the, the problems with their concussions that they just want to kill themselves. They just want to end their life. And I don't know you know, if anybody can relate to that unless it's actually happened to them. But my hope is that the message can go out there to just understand the seriousness of what's going on, not just in the National Football League, but all sports. You, know, you can talk about hockey or soccer or rugby, anything that violence is involved in, you know, wrestling, MMA, UFC. Concussions really aren't a joke. But, you know, we live in a day and age where from a theatrical standpoint or a performance standpoint, you being the audience and the players being the stars, you know, it's not good entertainment unless somebody's getting hurt. It's not good entertainment unless somebody goes, oh, man, I can't believe that guy just hit him so hard in the head. 
Maybe it's time to take a step back in a moment to just think about the severity and the seriousness of what players that that have injuries in the head and have to deal with concussions. And in some cases, what looks like a not-so-bone-jarring hit could potentially stay with somebody and impact them for the rest of their life. Once again, this is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Just a little bit of a quick recap over today's show. I was talking about living legends and really an aspect to bring up when it comes to Tiger Woods and what he's doing. You know, there's a tension because people want to see Tiger Woods. They want to see if he can do it. They want to see if he can get up to 83 PGA Tour wins to pass Sam Snead. They want to see if he can get to 18 majors to tie or 19 to pass Jack Nicklaus. But there's also a lot of people that are either watching it and not paying it its appropriate attention or not watching it and are just flat out missing the history that is being made. Tiger Woods is a living legend. And like I said, as a person that takes his pride in baseball history, the three legends that I look up to the most, I never got to see any one of them play. And that's Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, and Ted Williams. And I hope, particularly in those that got a chance to see Ted Williams play, that the people that had the opportunity to witness the legend in him did. And I hope the same thing happens with Tiger Woods. The people get the opportunity that want to, to acknowledge the legend in Tiger Woods and be able to share those stories with their family and their kids and their kids' kids. Next thing we talked about a little bit, baseball playoff race. You have some postseason baseball in a regular season particularly as it applies to the National League Central and the National League West. The Cubs haven't sewn up the NL Central yet, only a game ahead, a game and a half ahead of the Milwaukee Brewers. You got the LA Dodgers, a game and a half ahead of the Colorado Rockies. You got the wild card Brewers lead the Cardinals by three games, and the Cardinals lead the Colorado Rockies by a game and a half. So in the end, you're having five teams essentially battling for four spots in a National League postseason with the only spot that is guaranteed is that the Atlanta Braves will be there in some way, shape, or form. The AL, of course, you got the Yankees and the Oakland Athletics. For it to even matter this weekend, as far as home field in the American League wild card, Oakland has to find a way to gain a game and a half within the next three days which they need the, the Yankees to lose one game, and they need to win one game. And the, they need the Yankees to lose on Thursday to the Tampa Bay Rays. If that happens, and the Yankees and Athletics are in a flat-footed tie for the American League wildcard spot, that will make for some interesting baseball this weekend. If that's not the case, I would expect to see both teams playing with the expectation that the wildcard game will be playing in New York City at Yankee Stadium. Last thing we spoke about today, now hits in the National Football League. When we watch them as, from an, you know, an entertainee standpoint, we're watching a player get hit really hard in the head, and our reaction is, ooh, oh my God, what a hit. You know, We tend to not be paying enough attention to the impact that that hit is having 
on that particular player. Because of that, there is a fine line that we have to draw when we're talking about the over-policing of players in the National Football League, players being flagged for hits that may not be considered dangerous. Where do you draw the line? A lot of people would say that we've gone overboard with the hits that Clay Matthews have put on quarterbacks over the last couple weeks and the flags and the 15-yard penalties that have proceeded. But there is a line when it comes to the safety of the players. And that line could be the difference between somebody moving on from their post-football career in their life and somebody not having a post-football career and life. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Me? I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. This is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. Because I am good at three things. Fighting, screwing, and talking baseball.